Today is Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A sixth officer relieved of duty in the wake of the Tyree Nichols death raises even more questions. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, a comment, share it with a friend, email us, quickstartpodcast.cbn.org. Let's get through the news of the Cray together. And joining me as always to get through it, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gones Phillips. What's up, guys? It's Mini Monday. How y'all doing? I mean, I'm here. I'm here for the Mini Monday. I'm you're, you know, excited. You're here and you're back from the Earth's core yeah, with the best yes. coffee that the world has <laughs> ever have, seen. I have returned. What's the I intake returned, level? We need to know the intake level. I, I think this I'm, is how I'm everyone... Number three. Number three. Okay, number good. Three. See, I just feel like people now are going to need to know. Like It's, it's like you're the barometer. Right. Right, it's yeah. your it's the barometer of how are they doing so far in this day, like compared to yeah. your three copies. So as long, long, it's, not, it's not a salvation issue, but it's an no. important issue. For us. <laughs> as long as you're doing better than Billy, then you're not doing too bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's the coffee intake. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, all right, on the focus story today, the London School of Economics. Some of you might be familiar with that that school because I mean George Soros, a prominent progressive from there. Uh, they did something pretty controversial, Trey. Yeah, no, it's interesting because you can't really think of a more prominent school of economics. I think maybe other than Do- Donald Trump's uh, school of economics, the Wharton School here in the U.S. Yeah, I think these are the two that come to mind whenever you think about economics in college. So, yeah, it's a big shift. They've been known for always doing their academic calendar around Christian holidays. They're getting rid of that, and we'll talk about their reason for why. All right, looking forward to that. Also, on the main thing, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds just ushered into law one of the most sweeping school choice laws in the nation. Billy talks to her, gets the details on that. We'll have that on the main thing. But first, we are going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And Memphis police say Officer Preston Hemphill has been relieved of his duty for his involvement in the confrontation with Tyree Nichols. He's the sixth officer implicated in the incident. And according to the police department, Hemphill has been relieved of his duty the whole time since the beginning of the investigation. The public's just finding out about this now, however, which has attorneys Ben Crump uh, really concerned about this, saying it certainly begs the question why the white officer involved in this brutal attack was shielded and protected from the public eye and to date from sufficient discipline and accountability. The Memphis Police Department owes us all answers. They haven't disclosed yet Hemphill's role in the incidents, although audio recordings do show that he was one of the first officers to respond uh, to the Nichols uh, traffic stop. As the Super Bowl gets closer, one of the big topics of conversation out there is who will have the biggest ads. Well, apparently Jesus is going to be one of the uh, focuses of an ad campaign to be seen during the Super Bowl, a $100 million campaign called He Gets Us that promotes Christianity is set to run during the game. Critics say that it's funded by staunchly conservative causes. That has them concerned, but not every Christian's in love with these ads. Uh, you can read about that story more over at CBNNews.com. And guys, what I'm talking about there is some of these ads have been viewed to be more on the kind of progressive side of things. You know, one of them calls Jesus a refugee, which is a topic that's been hotly debated when when the migration caravans was hotly debated a few months ago. 
and kind of on and off that issue comes up and you see the Christians debate that thing, that topic as well with that point being made up. And that's kind of the point that oftentimes progressives will bring up. And so I only bring that up to say that I don't think this is one of these ads that Christians are universally all on board with. I think some have criticized it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? And you always have to be careful. You want to know what you're watching, what you're looking at. And words matter. So that word refugee, right? It means a lot of things to a lot of different people. But in the modern context, we we know what that means when it comes to the southern border. And so it'll be interesting to see what they air and how it's received. Yeah, no, I've, I've always found the commercials to be interesting, but I've never been able to tell. And maybe this is part of the strategy. I yeah. don't know. Uh, when you watch the commercial my impression as a believer and as someone who's obviously a little bit you know, more right of center, more conservative, uh, is I would not make the assumption that the people behind these commercials are necessarily incredibly conservative. But then there may be people who are not believers or who are more on the left who would look at them and say, I don't know, they seem maybe kind of center of the road and maybe even to some a little bit more conservative. So I don't know, maybe that's part of the strategy. Uh, or maybe the strategy is just to start conversations because I know yeah. everybody's going to have a different opinion on the refugee claim, particularly right. when it's such a hot button yeah. at the moment. And that was just one example. I mean, I think the main thing here is, look, it, it gets Jesus in the conversation. And I think that's a net positive, sure. right? We can we can right. debate politically where people are aligning on these things all day long. And, you know, you're always going to upset half of one half and the other half's going to cheer. But um it just felt like some of those ads have that kind of bend to it. But I think the bottom line is, hey, if people are willing to spend money to promote Christ yeah. on and at least get you looking into it, I mean, I think that's something that Christians should be generally uh, happy about, um, especially because, like you said, Trey, I think these ads are oftentimes pr like pretty vague. And I think they're just meant to be kind of attention getting and to sort of get you uh, looking into the looking into faith. Yeah, no, And I think if we can get anybody, like you were saying, Dan, you know, it's easy to sort of haggle over these things, but it's a good starting point, right? The option of no Jesus during the Super Bowl right. versus having this right. there. Okay. We can talk about it, right? It's, it's a starting point, even if, you know, you don't agree with the way it's being presented, but, but again, it'll be interesting to see what that, what that presentation actually is. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's good for all of us to sometimes be challenged uh, uh, over our perspectives, right? Like it doesn't mean it's the wrong perspective, but to, to look at it from a different angle, I think is good for all of us because, yeah. oh, maybe there's something there that I didn't quite consider before. Yep. And and I'm always uncomfortable with attaching Jesus to any political ideology. It, it oh, drives yeah. me nuts when people say, oh, Jesus would have been a socialist or, or Jesus is conservative. Like it's obviously, obviously when you look at any response that Jesus gives to the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the day. He always stumps them, and there's always a transcending answer that transcends all of the nonsense of the day and causes them to basically be stumped. So to think that Jesus would just sit in here and fall in one of our ridiculous earthly political camps is honestly a ludicrous thought in my mind. So it makes me uncomfortable whenever that topic comes up. I just think, look, Jesus is in a category of his own. Let's not try to categorize him uh, via politics. Uh, um, so uh, we'll see, though. Uh, looking forward to... I Personally, I'm not looking forward to the Super Bowl because I'm in Philadelphia, and unless you live in Philadelphia and you're not an Eagles fan or a Philly sports fan, you don't know how insufferable it is. I, wait, what's a Super Bowl? Oh, gosh. Here we Sorry. go. That's right. I forgot you guys. I'll be, busy. I'll be busy, you know, I don't know, right? Do you not something. watch this? Before we move on here, I do you do guys not, not I, what, I do you watch about, it? 
I read about the Super Bowl. I cannot watch something on TV that I would rather be in person doing. And I also don't really like TV. So yeah. I just usually so, I, I only bring that up, guys, because I know you don't like sports, but the Super Bowl is just one of those things that people use as an excuse to get together. So I just thought, right. I even mean, if you're not watching the I game. Would. Shocker here. I watch the Super Bowl. Whoa, there we pretty go. Pretty much every year. Yeah, yeah. But I watch it for the commercials and for the food. And the halftime uh, shows. If I like a well, team, well, no, the halftime show, the usually halftime show the last several years has been garbage. I know J Lo with a stripper performance on the one. Yeah, it was, like yeah, we, it was bad. I, I don't need to see somebody half naked, and it, not my thing. Not my thing. I don't, <laughs> mind, I don't mind the Super Bowl, but not I our thing. Forget that it's happening because I have. I just I don't turn my TV on. Only other people in my family do. So if they happen to put it on, I may sit down. Might and see watch. it. Yeah. All right. Interesting. I just wanted to take that straw poll in here and just. uh <laughs> and uh, see what happens. And now I know. And now I know the answer. But all right, <laughs> let's uh, let's head on into the focus story here. And the London School of Economics, as we said, one of the more prominent economics um, schools out there. And they are really kind of stirring some controversy here, scrubbing Christian references from its academic calendar. So what is this all about? What are the changes? Yeah, so the university there has been known for always anchoring their semester around Christian holidays. So it, it would be one thing if this wasn't just part of their tradition since their inception in 1895. But because mm -hmm. this has been in place since they started, it's a big deal to see them changing all of the sudden. So uh, administrators at the School of Economics have taken Lent and Easter and Christmas out of the academic calendar. So beginning next year, uh, the Michaelmas term, which for people who aren't Catholic or didn't grow up in that area might not know what that means, uh, it's a reference to the feast of the uh, uh, St. Michael, the ancient arch archangel. Uh, so that one is no longer going to be titled that. Uh, they're renaming that the autumn term. Christmas is not going to be winter break. Uh, Lent will be the winter term, and then Easter will be spring break. So similar to what a lot of public schools here in the United States have done, right? They've gone away from Christmas and Easter and, and all of that uh, many years ago. Uh, so now the London School of Economics will kind of be following that same trajectory. So interestingly, those changes come on the heels of a new report that was released uh, in November of last year uh, about the decrease of Christianity in Europe. Uh, so a census from 2021, the results of which were just released, uh, found that for the first time, uh, less than half of England and Wales, 46.2%, uh, described themselves as Christian. Uh, in 2011, the last time this data was compiled, 59.3% called themselves Christian. So that's a big shift over time. And a lot of people are seeing a connection between the school's decision and this shift. Hmm. What uh, did they give as reasons for these changes? So a spokesperson in a statement said that the university's revamped calendar is actually intended to uh, align, quote, with a broader global engagement. Uh, a spokesperson said these new names use more accessible and widely recognized terminology and better reflect the international nature of our community and our broader global engagement. Uh, that shift, though, a lot of critics are not quite convinced that this is actually just about being more appealing to the international community. They see another issue. What um what do uh, what are critics saying there, uh, in response? Yeah, so 
So Toby Young, he's the general secretary of the Free Speech Union. He said that the move, quote, reflects the fact that the LSE, like most British universities, is in a thrall to a new religious cult, uh, the Church of the Woke, uh, that's actually more dogmatic than Christianity, is what he said. Uh, then Anglican deacon Calvin Robbins said he's very active on social media. Uh, he called the rebranding, quote, whitewashing Christ from the calendar, uh, and even said that this post-Christian Britain, his terminology, is ugly. Uh, and then Simon Calvert, uh, the deputy director of the Christian Institute, he offered what I saw as really the strongest criticism. Uh, he told the Telegraph, quote, we have been warning for years that Christians are being pushed from the public square, yet the problem is getting worse. He went on to say Christians and those with traditional views often find themselves silenced or bullied. It's particularly ironic when this happens at institutions that were originally founded on Christian principles and with endowments from Christian benefactors. Uh, he also ended his statements by calling it a ludicrous decision, uh, which I thought his comments were interesting because it's the same criticism we've heard in the U.S. about Princeton and Harvard and Yale, right? All of these universities were founded as seminaries mm -hmm. to train ministers to go out across the country and share the gospel. Uh, and they've become these really leftist and often woke institutions that are just pushing this stuff out, uh, really indoctrinating kids uh, with all of this leftist ideology uh, when that's not at all their origin or their root. Yeah, no, it's the same thing. I think it was Harvard that uh, that used to have their motto, like you were mentioning there, it was truth in Christ, the, right. the Latin yeah. for that. And then now it's just, just truth, veritas. That's all it says now on their thing. They just deleted that in Christ part out of there, which you can't help but think, when they were making that decision, did did they kind of like look up at the sky and like check around <laughs> like, oh, are we going to be all right here? Um, because, you know, I, I don't know, this push away from this. And like you said, the it's like towards a new religion. And it feels like that in so many things. I mean, we saw with the NHL, we reported on this when they the one player on the on the Flyers didn't participate in the pride night and he got so much flack for it well there was another team that decided not to do the pride night with the um I, they still took part in it but they didn't do the sticks and the pregame warm-up i guess that had the rainbows on it and you know they're releasing these statements how dare they do this and it just feels like it's this not only is it an, a sort of religion but it's almost like an one they're trying to enforce it's so, a sacrament. Yeah. Well, and then when people don't follow it, they berate them and come after them. I mean, it feels uh, very heavy handed. And um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, like you said that when you when you brought that up, Trey, I mean, that's what kind of triggered in my mind is that, yes, like this is a new religion that we're seeing form and it's very widespread and it's uh, it's it's troubling. But see, isn't that the thing with all of this, though, that and this is what we've talked about with worldview. You know, you have this argument. You have to be fair to everybody. You have right. to be you know, noncommittal. But they're not. But at the end of the day, somebody wins. Somebody's commitment yeah. is going to win. Somebody's worldview, somebody's religion is going to win, yep. right? whether that's atheism or Christianity. And so all these moves, they basically push out one thing to create something else. And that's literally what we're watching happen everywhere. This particular institution all the way through culture. Yeah, well, I think that's what we're seeing here in the U.S. with like these drag time story hours and why it's been important to have people like Kirk Cameron responding and kind of firing back with an alternative, because right now we're seeing the secular world 
make the suggestion and the argument, even if not directly, indirectly, that the drag queen story hour is actually the middle ground. Like that's the non-political, that's the non-moral argument uh, to just have these. The thing that's anathema to good morals is having a Christian story hour. Uh, so yeah, you have to pick one. And currently I think the secular worldview is winning and they're winning because they're trying to make this argument that apparently is persuasive to some people uh, that the secular worldview is not actually a worldview. It's some sort of middle ground between the two. Well, yes, I agree with you hundred percent. And we've talked about the moral relativism, just kind of, it's a battle of worldviews, like you were saying, Billy, but then the logical consequences of these, where they try to remove God out of it. And then that leaves a, a vacuum of morals, right? There's just, it's just whatever I say. Now, they don't like to, like, seculars don't like to admit this. They like to try to make the argument that, oh, well, you can be moral and secular, but ultimately, it's just personal preference at that point. And I stirred up the atheists on uh, Twitter the other day making a point about that. And they're, and they're kind of, they're saying, oh, you know, you think that you can't have morals and blah, 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 unless you're a Christian. And I said, no. I said, you're just, hijacking those views from the Christian worldview, because that's the only one it's coming from with an ultimate authority that you can base it on. And you're just pulling them because it sounds good to you. And inherently, God has wired us with morals, so we know in deep down what is right and what is wrong. Um, and so, I don't know. It's just this whole battle is playing out. And and to your point, Billy, I think it is a battle of worldviews. And I think that's how we should start looking at these things that are going on. Relativism dies at Christianity. Suddenly, everybody doesn't like it, right? Right, you can yeah. Do whatever you want. Say whatever you right. want. Believe whatever you want. Oh, wait, you have a parameter? I don't like that. That's bad. <laughs> you know, and, and that just shows you everything you need to know. There's another worldview there that can't comport with biblical truth and it doesn't want to, right? So I I think we have to call that out because one of the reasons we are where we are is because all these institutions slowly but surely believe the lie. Yeah, no, couldn't agree with you more. And we will keep bringing that up on this podcast because it is worth talking about because it's unfolding before our very eyes, this whole worldview battle that we're seeing uh, go down. So Trey, thanks for bringing that story there. And that's going to lead us into the main thing and not unrelated. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, she just ushered into law one of the most sweeping school choice laws in the nation. You've got people trying to escape uh, some of this worldview indoctrination. And this is one of the ways that helps make that easier for some parents who want to do that. Well, she joined Billy Hallowell to explain the plan, why she believes it's important to give parents this educational power to have choices and more on today's main thing. Well, Governor, thank you so much for taking the time today. I want to dig right into education. You have had quite the week there in your state with this education law that you helped usher in. This was a big priority for you. Can you tell us why? Well, it kind of it started with COVID. Uh, first of all, I've always been a proponent of school choice. I believe parents should be able to decide what is the best environment for their child to be everything that they can be. Um, but but I tell you, COVID really put a fine fine point on that because it gave parents a front row seat to what was happening uh, in their child's classroom. And, you know, a lot of them didn't like what they were seeing. A lot of parents, um, you know, a lot of kids, excuse me, schools closed down uh, for quite some time. We were a little bit different in Iowa. We had the majority of our kids in the classroom. I had some of our larger schools that 
you know, didn't and fought me on it. And we actually ended up passing legislation to be the first state in the country that said no parents will decide if their children are 100% online or 100% in the classroom. Uh, And then, you know, we got sued even for that. And we had kids in our largest uh, school district in Des Moines that were dropping out. Majority of them were you know, on free and reduced lunch. Many of them were minority children. And when I looked at the opportunities that parents with the financial resources had, those kids, those families, that mom didn't have the choice of finding a different alternative, a different school that was open uh, for their children. And it just fundamentally disagreed with that. And so we worked hard over the last three years um, to get this across the finish line. We made Uh, gains every year. We have a really strong homeschool program in the state of Iowa. We've seen tremendous growth in that. We had um, a a tax credit for families that didn't have the means, but there's always more need than we had available. We were able to um, expand open enrollment, expand charter schools. And finally, this year, we got um, ESAs and uh, uh, universal school choice across the finish line. So let's talk about the particulars of that. So there's an account essentially that's set up for every child and the parents can make a decision what to do with that money. Take us through a little bit of how it works. Okay. So uh, we'll start it next year. Uh, we'll be at Universal in three years. That's probably, I think, the most aggressive uh, school choice bill in the country. But, you know, watch. You've got a lot of other states that are going to be hopefully adopting similar language. But in the first year, all incoming kindergartners and all kids that are in public school have the option that parent does to take the 7600 which is the per uh, student cost. It's a state cost. It's the same for public and private. And they can transfer that to an educational savings account. Uh, that can be used for tuition, for fees, for tutoring, uh, for qualified expenses. There's about eight different things that they can use that for. Um, and the, the first year, uh, what, the, the, what we did this year that I think it was really helped um, make it successful is we allow kids that are in private school right now, uh, we phase them in over two years and third year we get to universal. So the first year, it's based on needs. So if the family's income is uh, 300% or below of the federal poverty level, then they qualify for the 7,600 uh, if they're currently in a private school The next year, it goes to 400% of FPL. And then by year three, all students and all families are eligible for uh, the ESA or the 7,600. Wow. Wow. Now, this obviously is going to be really fascinating to watch how this plays out. You've had some people on the critical side. Randy Weingarten, the head of American Federation of Teachers, she likened the plan to, quote, a scheme to funnel taxpayer money to the few to the wealthy few. Um, She had a number of other things to say about political damage. Uh, What do you make of the reaction from some of the unions and others who are critical of this plan? Well, I think it's a threat uh, to their very existence, and they know that. And how ridiculous. This is the same individual that fought and fought and fought to keep our kids out of the classroom. I mean, it's as late as uh, summer of 2021, they were still advocating for kids not to be in the classroom. They were putting stipulations on the Biden administration to get more money in order to even think about putting uh, getting kids back in the classroom. I mean, they have led the the 
political divisive um, rhetoric to really take parents out of their child's education. So, you know, when you don't actually pass it and you can put all that fear mongering to rest, then they can continue to throw out all these accusations that there are no data to support it whatsoever. And so the problem with what we've been able to do and the problem, you know, and the momentum that I believe this is going to drive uh, across this country is we will start to dispel all of that fear mongering, all of the um, stuff and the the things that they put out there uh, with actual data. And and really, you know, they like to say it's going to close down our public schools. There's no data out there to support that whatsoever. In fact, it's just the opposite. If you look at Florida, who's been doing some sort of school choice for some time, uh, only about 3% of the student population has chosen to participate in a private school. Arizona is at 5%. Um, You know, I think in Iowa, the majority of parents will probably make the decision to stay with their public school system. But the bottom line is all parents, not just a few, should have the opportunity to choose and have that choice, uh, whether it's faith-based or academic or whatever that may be, that parent, as long as it's an accredited private school, should have the opportunity to make that choice. So, you know, it really, they're they're afraid. I think they see the momentum. They see that, you know, I, I, and I want to tell you, I said this earlier, she's been, I mean, I can't think of a person that's done more for school choice than Randy Weingarten and the crazy things that she's done. Uh, she's like our biggest advocate. She has mobilized parents across this country uh, by the very way that she talks about things, by the woke agenda, the indoctrination, the sex education that they're bringing into the school system uh, for our young kids. And, you know, parents have had it. They want a quality education for their children. They want them to learn the basics and then they will take care of the parenting at home. And I, they see how this is being eroded uh, in our schools. And I had somebody say, well, where's the evidence? Are you sure this is even happening in Iowa? And I said, well, it is happening, but do we wait until it's happening before we take action or do we get in front of it? And I believe This will elevate all of education because you noticed in that press release that she put out, did you see anything about the children? Did you see anything mentioned about kids? No, it was all about money. It was all about politics. It was all about divisive um, destruction rhetoric, just rhetoric, but never does she mention the children. You can hear more with Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds over at our CBN News YouTube channel and at faithwire.com. All right, Billy, thanks for that one there. I mean, I'm always interested. I mean, me personally, I'm biased as a homeschooling parent, but I'm always interested. Um, I've never understood that issue, guys, as to why in the world parents aren't given a choice with their tax dollars as far as where they actually get to apply them. Well, yeah, I mean, this also creates a little bit of competition, right? And the one thing, I just want to point this out because... She also said in the longer version of the interview that we did, she's like, look, you know, this is going to force schools hands, right? If people start pulling their kids out of the schools, you're going to have to think about what are you teaching? What are you including? And so it's a really interesting tactic on that front too. Indeed. All right. Well, that's going to leave us with time for one last thing, guys. We're going to look at Job 121. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in our Bible study, we're going through Job right now. And I, that verse just strikes me every time I read it when you give it, given the context of what Job is currently going through, 
for him to bless the name of the Lord. It's, it's, it's just awesome. It's actually a really encouragement for our faith. It is, you know, turning to him in our, in our deepest sorrows, right? Yeah. I think it's a good reminder that, um, good things happening in this life are not an indicator of God's goodness, right? It's great if good things happen, but God is still sovereign. If the good thing doesn't happen until in eternity or later in life, you know, his, his goodness is completely separate. Amen. Well said. And it's a great place to leave it here on the podcast today. As always, get on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com. Click around. Just keep clicking. Keep clicking and reading and watching and listening and all the other good stuff. Uh, We appreciate it. We appreciate you being here with us. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We are going to be back here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. God bless you. See you then.